season five. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're back, and it's season five, and it's the first episode. My gosh, we get another recap. That's cool. Yes, but we also have a few things going on that uh, pre pre show. Kaylee and I wanted to kind of just address and then laugh about whenever the moment comes. Um, yeah, Kaylee, you said something we were talking about cultural misappropriation versus cultural so, appreciation cultural appropriation in general appropriation thank you yeah versus cultural appreciation <laughs> which um Sean doesn't know the distinction between the two and we should go over that briefly <laughs> <laughs> yeah that I, the way you said it whenever we were talking i was like that was kind of a, a perfect a perfect um I don't know what to call it. Container? Stratosphere? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, we should say there's a lot of jokes and stereotypes and things mentioned about Chinese culture, but we should really add that it's Sean looking like a fool because he's making these assumptions and referencing these stereotypes and being generally an appropriative tool about it. Like, <laughs> and it's very clear to everyone, I mean, Gus probably especially, that Sean's being a little bit of an idiot here. And that's why it's funny. I think that's why the jokes, for me, still worked. When I started watching this episode, we got a little bit in and I was like, like, oh no, this is going to be an episode that we're going to have to like, edit a bunch because there's so much stuff going on. Like, like really early on, we see this guy and I immediately wanted to describe him as a ninja. And then I was like, I can't just... I can't just call him a ninja. Like, like that's built into my, it's built into me, but I recognize that that's not what I should just be calling somebody. So I was just like, oh no. And then we get to some moments where I, I kind of thought, you know, this wouldn't fly in 2024. Um, but I, I, the more I listened and the more I kind of laughed, I was like, no, they're not, they're not making fun of anybody's culture. They're making fun of themselves. For misunderstanding and, and making assumptions about a culture. Like, it, yeah, yeah, I think I think it still works because, like we said, they're not punching down. And they're the butt of the joke always when they're doing these <laughs> stupid things. To the point where they start calling themselves out on it, which I'm real excited to get to. Yeah, yeah. And I, I should... I should forewarn you. I I start off saying rich daddy again in this episode. I did too. But then it changes to crime daddy. Like oh. <laughs> we have we have multiple rich daddy crime daddies and I'm so excited. So I I had a a moment where I was like we could we can call him crazy rich asian daddy. <laughs> He's crazy rich. <laughs> yeah. And then I was, I, I finally just started calling him Mr. Chang because it was easier that way. Yeah, no, I, I definitely went from rich daddy to crime daddy and I, I'm here for it. I like that. I like that. Um, in that case, shall we start? Because I know you and I both have a lot to talk about this episode. It's showtime. This is To the Blueberry. I am Alexis and I'm a real life Gus. I'm Kaylee and I'm a real life Sean. Together make we make up a real life best friend duo 
who decided to start a rewatch podcast of our favorite show, Sync. Yeah, I gotta say, we nailed this intro compared to the last episode of the last season, because editing that was a riot. We messed that up so many times and so badly. (laughs) I have really been enjoying, like, re-listening to some of our old episodes lately, and I'm just like, oh, we're so cute. I know, every time I'm listening, you know, because I have to, like, you know, make sure I did the editing right, I'm just like, we're hilarious and so cute. (laughs) Speaking of editing, though, um, we are in a new year. We are in a new season. If there's anyone out there who's looking for a side hustle and wants to edit <laughs> a, uh, a non-professional podcast, like I, I think Kaylee and I could probably work it into our budget to have somebody else besides us do this. And also, if you think that we were completely wrong about our read on how these jokes still stand up to time in this episode, please email us at tothebluberrypodcast at gmail.com. Season 5, Episode 1. Romeo and Juliet and Juliet. Okay. So, I love so many things about this episode, but we do start with our recap of the last season finale, the Yen episode. And it, most importantly to this episode, it's going to be Juliet's trauma from the last episode because she was abducted and um, there was an attempted murder. And also Henry taking a new job at the SPPD. So these will be things that are recurring here. Those are the two most important, or those are the two things that I listed as part of my recap as well. So I feel you can. It is 1990. We are in our episode beginning flashback. And Gus, little baby Gus and little baby Sean are like cowering from some bullies. It's three on two. These boys are huge. I paused it and one of them looks 40. Sorry to this man, (laughs) but he looks 40. (laughs) Um, And I just wrote bullies versus Sean and Gus. And Sean says, you guys better watch out because Gus knows karate. I've only taken two lessons. And it's not karate, it's wushu. Um, Sean's like, that's two more than the boys have taken. Yeah, he's like, come on, man. My dad wouldn't even let me take karate. You gotta do this. We don't get any more from that scene, but I like to imagine that the boys got their butts whooped. Well, we hear little baby Gus whimper, and then the bullies (laughs) are making these knuckle-cracking stances, and then that scene ends. But I, I bet they got whooped, and I just gotta say, I don't love that for them. I don't, I don't like that. Really? I don't like that culture. Little boys getting beat up by bigger boys. I I hear that. Um, I guess in my brain, okay, whenever they they finally start making the Sean and Gus Younger Years series that you and I have talked about before, if they do remake this scene, I would love to see it like be the knuckle cracks, like we're ready to go, and then... Sean pulls out one of his, like, I'm going to talk my way out of this, like he does in real life now. Oh, okay. I thought that would be very clever. That would be very clever. I think about, I think about that very often. And while he's distracting them with nonsense, Gus has flagged down an adult and the whole thing just gets put to rest. (laughs) Which would be like par for both of them. (laughs) Well, then we jump to the present here in our episode and we're at the psych office and the boys are fighting each other over... Who's going to have to fire the assistant that they apparently hired? Gus said that Sean should fire him because Sean was the one who wanted an assistant. But he wanted a girl. Gus said, well, no one else would take the job. So this is where we're at. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah. Sean wants good cop, bad cop. And Gus is like, well, who is he? Who's bad cop? 
You, obviously, you're the unscrupulous, penny-pinching boss with a chip on his shoulder and mommy issues. I'm the nurturing confidant type who's like, dude, Gus is a jerk, but I've got your back. Together we'll take that sucker down. <laughs> Gus is like, nope, hard no. They do end up firing their assistant, who we find out in uh, this scene's name is Ken. And we'll meet Ken more throughout the episode. Oh, yeah. And they're like, sorry, dude, business is a lot slower than we expected. And Ken's like, you hired me four days ago? Work slow. Slower than we expected. Yeah, Sean thought it would be booming by now because his dad got a new job at the SBPD and he thought they would reap a benefit from that. And Gus is like, yeah, he assumed. I called this from a mile away. <laughs> because it's the exact opposite. I, I hate to do it, but I do think it's important for us to, to slide in here that Ken happens to be of Asian descent. Oh, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, that is important <laughs> to, yeah, if, to if the story. If you don't watch the episode and you just listen to our podcast, most of everything else that happens is not going to make any sense if you don't know that, so I'm going to say it. Uh, before we move on to the Santa Barbara Police Department where Juliet is not at her desk. Yeah, and her name plates upside down. Um, Henry, however, is at a desk and he hates it there. He's Specifically also messing with it. At a desk directly across from Lasseter. Yeah, he's messing with the desk alignment, and then Lasseter walks up and he's suspicious that his desk has been moved. And then he's like, wait a second, Henry, remind me. Who are you in charge of again? Not me. Yeah, he makes that very clear. He just needs to clear the air on that. Uh, Henry's only going to be in the office two to three days a week. They're still hammering that out. Lasseter's happy not to have a Henry boss. All is well. Uh, back at the psych office, same firing trying to happen. Yeah, still firing uh, Ken. <laughs> Sean is trying to tell Ken that, like, things will get better. There's always going to be more crime. There's just a um, it, periodic shortage occurring right this moment. And it, it kind of ends with um, a moment of, like, well, what have we learned? And Gus says, crime will always trend upwards, and real estate is a sound long-term investment. But mostly crime will pick up. That's a guarantee. And they're still firing Ken. Then we jump to the Chinatown Festival, and I just wrote, I want to go to there. So did we verify, A, that there is actually a Chinatown in Santa Barbara, and B, that there is actually a festival? Did not. Okay, I didn't either, but sometimes I feel like, not sometimes, I often feel like the show makes stuff up a little bit. Oh, for and sure. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder like, if this is a real thing. if you leave summer in Santa Barbara and go to Whistler, Canada, it's suddenly ski season somehow. There, there's, there's a historic uh, section where there was a Chinatown and Japan town, but bad things after World War II. Oh. Can of worms. Okay. okay. So yes, we do believe at this point that um, the writers made this up. Again, if you happen to know that that is incorrect, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. To the Blueberry Podcast at gmail.com. Um, um, so at the at the festival, somebody stops and asks this man for a picture of him and his family, and he calls him Mr. Chang. Um, and then that's kind of when we get the the update that it's a festival, and we see this guy come in. He's kind of sneaky, sneaky, and he flips in like all parkour style. I call him and lands in the flippy hoodie guy. Nice. I call him this a lot. Um, yeah, so this very obviously rich family has their bodyguards and a very pretty daughter wearing a shiny silver jacket. And they walk through this gate. And as they walk through this gate... 
pineapple. Oh, right. I skipped that. Yep. There's a little woven pineapple decoration when the scene cuts to like a, a, a new shot of the other side of this gate when they're walking through. And it's like this woven pineapple decoration hanging there right by the camera lens. Um, yeah, it's very pretty. And then Flippy Hoodie Guy enters. He's like looking around all creepy like and starts following the family. The very pretty daughter girl, um, who we later find out is named Becky, is kind of falling behind from her family. So my uh, captions said Becky's name is spelled B-E-K-K-I. Yep, that's what mine said. Okay. All right. I just thought that was a fun way to, to spell Becky. But um, yeah, they're being stalked. Becky in the silver jacket. She turns around suddenly when Flippy Hoodie Guy grabs her shoulder or arm and she gasps and then she gone. Dad sees that Mr. Chang dad, crazy rich Asian daddy, if you will, um, sees that the girl is missing and starts screaming at his staff to find my daughter. And they start looking all over the festival. Yeah. Then we get our very full credits. I think the fun fact said this is one of the only season promos that has a full credits. Or like the season um, starts. Yeah. And... These full awesome credits have Chinese writing before they change to the English names of all of our actors. This season of the credits also has a ton of snips from this episode. Yeah, a lot of new stuff from the past season and this season. And a lot of good timing on stuff. (laughs) You want to run when you can't crawl and they're army crawling from last season? (laughs) So good. There's even an episode of When Buzz Got Exploded in season too. Yeah. And I was like, Buzz made it into the credits. Was that was season really two or season three? I don't know. Buzz almost died many times. Anyway, speaking, speaking of, of Buzz. Buzz <laughs> <laughs> we head to the Santa Barbara Police Department. Sean and Gus walk in and Buzz is all like, yeah, Juliet's not back yet. Sad faces all around. And then we cut to Chief talking to Rich Daddy She's like, just let our people do our work. And when we get the ransom call, we'll figure out the next move accordingly. Sean comes in, introduces himself as the psychic. And this is my partner, Jonathan Jacob Jingley Smith. Are you saying that his name is John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt? We used to share the name, but I changed my name because all of the people shouting when I went out. Chief says, I didn't recall calling you, Mr. Spencer. This case called me. Collect, says Gus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sean thinks that's weird because um, he has Twitter and usually the cases tweet him. Which now would be X him? No, nobody's using X. That's failed. Stop <laughs> trying to make X happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> In comes Henry and Henry was like, oh, chief, I didn't realize you hired them for the case. Yeah, Sean's like, kidnapping is my thing. This case needs me. We do the, we do the it called me joke again. Gus mm-hmm. again says, collect. Collect. <laughs> um, and then Chief Vic says, hey, you're the one in charge of consultants. What do you want to do, Henry? Hard no from Henry. Hard no. <laughs> Sean calls Henry to an aside and is like, listen, um, what is going on? Yeah, he um, says that he's getting... Like, it's a freeze out. It's obvious. Like, why would Henry leave him off cases? He's had so many opportunities already to hire them. And Henry's like, things are going to change. You've burned bridges here. Have you ever heard of the phrase person non grata? Persona non grata. Yeah. He's Persona like, non grata. Uh, he's why implying that, that 
it's Sean's fault that he did something wrong enough. And Sean's like, excuse you, my results speak for themselves. You just hold me to a different standard. Um, and then he, he he supplies a receipt, which I really, really appreciate. Because they have a, no, uh, yes, ha, huh, back and forth. <laughs> he, uh, he says, well, then why did you bury my eggs five feet deep? For Easter. At Easter time. It's a crime that I wanted to challenge you. It's like, you, you put them five feet deep. Yeah, but it was under loose dirt. Yeah, with a camouflage tarp that was covered in bricks and broken glass. That was the giveaway. <laughs> Sean's like, excuse you, I was eight years old. Like, As Sean is walking away, Henry screams, there's still two eggs you haven't found. Sean reasonably says, you are sick. Because that is deranged. Did Madeline not know about this? Like, she must, was, this is something she socked away and was like, this will be part of the reason I divorce you later. Like, that's unhinged, Henry. Sean and Gus have a walk and talk. Sean's like, all right, here's the plan. One, we need to get Henry fired. And two, we're on the case. And then we're with Buzz again. And Sean is like, so are we finished with Rich Daughter's apartment? And Buzz is like, yeah, they just finished up today. Are you on the case now? Sean's like, define hired. They do get the address and they head to the apartment. And Sean starts looking around and like, and is like, this is not a standard kidnapping. Gus the apartment is, like, is way too clean. Yeah. All of the clothes are brand new. Gus thinks maybe it's she's like, just a very organized person. Like maybe that's just her personality. Meh. And then Sean zags out on this like, what I thought at first was a loose drawer, but it was actually just like a decorative piece on a, a desk that wasn't a drawer at all. But... But it is, though. It's just a secret drawer because there's a compartment that you open to find the lever that opens the drawer. It's... Okay. The first thing that popped in my head was like a Chinese puzzle box, but a lot mm -hmm. of old Victorian things sort of stole this idea and like they would have hidden compartments in like big drawing room desks. It was super uh, national treasure for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we open it and we find something. It is a coin. And it's like in a, its own little glass case. It's very, like, yeah. well displayed. My notes just say taking it to Popo, not working case. Oh. I don't know what those mean. Gus says, please tell me we're taking this to Belize. And Gus is like, yup, just not the ones on this case. They take it to City Hall where Juliet is on temporary reassignment. She has a very sad fake nameplate. Can I just say that? She she does. But but besides her nameplate, there's like a um a, 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 a plaque. What are these things? A plaque with all of the names of the like the special people that work at City Hall. And the fun fact is that all of the names on that plaque are actually crew members who worked on this episode. We plop the coin case down on the desk and she states unequivocally that she is not interested she yeah she, so she doesn't want this he needs oh, to show that to yep. Lassiter. she and he goes but i want you for this she kind of finally gives in and she's like it's a hong it's an old hong kong 50 cent piece sean says what dynasty 1978 so not a dynasty <laughs> <laughs> the the boys are happy they think maybe that they've swung Juliet a little bit to be excited about the case because as they walk away she screams one more thing it's counterfeit they're walking and talking through city hall and Gus is like so we've got a super smart girl with a secret 
hiding place for fake money. And here's... In comes Lassie. Lassiter. Um, he is, quote-unquote, there to see the mayor. You know neither one of us believe you, right? He's obviously there to see Juliet. And then we get a whole, like, um, celebrities aren't actually dead moment where we talk about Michael Jackson, Lisa Marie, and Elvis. Yeah, so what happens is Lassiter doesn't care what they believe because Sean says we don't believe them. Then <laughs> Sean says, oh, don't say that in front of guests because he'll start talking about how Michael Jackson is still alive. And <laughs> Gus is like, what are you talking about? Of course, he learned everything he needed from Lisa Marie. And <laughs> then we get a, oh yeah, because Elvis didn't actually die. And Gus is like, I told you, he died two years ago. He was working, and I forget where he was working. I didn't write this down, like a shoe store or something crazy. Yeah. So we get- Is there no end to your gullibility? <laughs> conspiracy theories abound, you guys. It makes me very worried for Gus in the times that we live in. Um, Sean fully refuses to engage, and then we go back to Jules's office area, and Lassiter has her surrounded by crime scene photos, like surveillance photos from the festival where Becky was snatched. Juliet's like, I do not want to see them, um, but then there is a picture of him. Oh. Oh, of, of Flippy the, Hoodie guy. The, the bad guy. Yeah, flippy hoodie guy. And Sean and Gus also see it and they are um, like, oh, you also came here to try to lure her back to the case. We are so see, on the same page. Not, <laughs> see, it's not just me. You're concerned about her insisting to stay down here. The unreturned phone calls, the ever so slight darkening of the hair. Gus says, I like it. Lasseter hadn't noticed. Juliet just wants to be left alone. But Sean thinks that Lassiter and uh, Sean have once again become so great that they should get Thing 1 and Thing 2 t-shirts. Yeah, they've passed a certain threshold together. Now, Sean, because Jules has kind of like walked away from all of them at this point, Sean asks Lassiter a question. He's like, mm, just, just so you know, um, who would possibly want to counterfeit a Hong Kong 50 cent piece from 1978. You guys don't seriously think the triads are part of this. Um, that depends. How would we speak with these triads? Lassie's like, um, you don't speak with them. Also, there's two. There's the golden triads and the dragon triads. Like, they're an underground society. There are multiple factions. So the ones that I guess we're dealing with, the big players here in Santa Barbara, are the golden triads and the dragon triads. And Sean's like, well, generally speaking, just the, like, regular, the medium. Um, the venti. But Gus says, no, that's a large. So not the venti. But <laughs> just both. Just how would we get in touch? Lassiter is like, stay away. Um, they have been at war for years, and you guys do not want to get in the middle of it. No, they've actually been on the oh, no. verge of war for years. For years, Yes. Yeah, it's it's just it's just a very tense powder keg of a situation that hasn't popped off. So now we go back to Ken. Ken. It's Ken. <laughs> He's Ken. Ken. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ken is like, um, oh, are you guys here to pay me for my last day? Um, we actually came because we need information. We will hire you back someday. Probably not soon. Yeah, think of it as an unpaid two-year vacation of sorts. They start to ask about the counterfeit coins and the Chinese ma mafia, and we need you to explain the ending of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon to us. 
Because I'm Asian? That's borderline racist, man. What? What are you talking about? Nuh-uh. And Gus concurs. It's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit racist, Sean. <laughs> it actually goes, racist? I hardly think so. Inappropriate? And Gus goes, yes. Insulting? Sure. Stereotyping? Sure. Not racist. Maybe a little racist. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, we Uh, also... To be even more racist, they ask if Ken is a triad. Or if he happens to know any triads, or where they could find some triads. There is a place where he knows the golden triads used to hang out, uh, but only because his mom told him that he was never allowed to go there. So we end up at a place called Pub 340. But they're on a stakeout. And Gus is like, listen, we need some rules. Because Sean is calling out Gus first. He's like, all I'm saying, dude, is sometimes your jokes do not land. And Gus is like, oh, you want to put restrictions on me? That's cool. Let's talk about some rules I need established. Any cover story or fake ID must be run by me and approved three days in advance. In writing. Sean is like, meh, 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 and then actually agrees to it, which actually, which, which leads to some beautiful, funny lines. Probably the best improv we've seen. Like, finally, it's not just, like, Sean being a goofus every time they meet a new person and doing intros. Like, uh, center stage. I cannot wait. We'll get yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we enter the bar, and we do our intros, and it's the very boring true intros. This is Gus. He's a pharmaceutical salesman who moonlights at a psychic detective agency called Psych. And uh, they're warned off by the bartender who's like, you guys are going to get yourselves killed. Like, you do understand that, right? But they see this guy and they're like, all right, we're going to follow him. And they end up following him for a really long time. Because he's super shifty. And then Gus is like, yeah, we need to get out of here. Nothing is happening. We're heading to this warehouse where nothing is happening. And then they see guys with guns. Sean says, oh, I wish we had our ninja costumes. They have a whisper fight and Gus still wants to leave and Sean still wants to approach the place and they're fighting when all of a sudden there's a gun on them. (laughs) Right after Sean says, they won't even know we're here. Yeah, right after. (laughs) So they get taken inside and Sean's like, don't worry, I'm going to talk my way out of this just like normal. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know how much I love Yao Ming. that's That's gotta count for something. Gus is like, just leave me out of this. They go into the office and Gus, or nope, Sean immediately starts with, this is just one big misunderstanding. He's talking to the back of a chair at this point. There's there's the back of somebody's head in his chair. And he's like, he's like, you know what? I don't know what's going on here. We like, we didn't see anything. You, you got the wrong idea. The guy turns around and it's our crazy rich Asian daddy who from now on I'm calling crime daddy. He's crime daddy. It's dad. It's Mr. Chang. Um, and Mr. Chang remembers him. He was like, um, weren't you that weird psychic guy from the police? And Sean's like, what would you know about this coin? And he shows him the coin that they found in Becky's apartment. He's like, we found this at your daughter's house. And I have the feeling that she's in with some really dangerous people. And he, <laughs> crime daddy's like, um, I gave this to my daughter. It's a symbol of our past. Sean is is starting to question if Becky is caught up in all this stuff. And dad's like, no, she is not part of this. Um, whatever we're doing is not criminal. Whatever you think is going on is not what's going on. 
And Sean psychs out on a picture of a, like, a dragon symbol in, like, a neon sign. Yeah, because there are guys who have been in this office sifting through photos this whole time. And Sean's like, oh, my bad. This is just a bunch of buddies hanging out, taking long-range surveillance photos, carrying semi-automatic weapons. They uh, get out of there alive. Good job. And Well, um, we've got our little psychic moment. Right. Because... Sean said, I think you might know who took your daughter. And Crime Daddy says, I do not. And Sean goes, and you wouldn't lie. You're the psychic. You tell me. At this point, they're dismissed, but I'm just like, yeah, Sean, because you already know. So we go with Ken, and we're showing him (laughs) Sean's version of the dragon in the photo that he saw. And he has so many offensive questions. (laughs) Ending with... Dude, my parents run a Best Buy. You do realize that you've asked me to work more for you since I was fired, right? Yes, we do. Have you seen this dragon? Maybe on a wall? Maybe spray-painted somewhere in Chinatown? Yeah, um, at some point, Sean goes, What? And goes in for a fist bump? Just soundly denied by Ken. And he's like, cool, 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 cool. So where did you maybe see this spray painted? On the side of a martial arts studio. Like it takes like. <laughs> everything in Ken to get those words out because he hates that Sean is just going to be so pumped about it. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> They head back to City Hall once again. To show and... Juliet the dragon. And she's like, why is there orange chicken sauce all over this? They got some um, Panda, Panda Express. Express on the way over. Yeah, this this whole dragon thing has me really craving Panda Express. She points out that they are um, the dragon triads, and they are the sworn enemies of the golden triads. And Sean's like, well, "What would happen if a golden triad person, um, if a dragon triad person, would kidnap a golden triad person, or someone from the family of a golden triad person? What then?" It would start a gang war. She's like, no way that would ever happen. Absolutely not. It'd be beyond suicide to make that move. Lassie is right there all of a sudden. He's like, right, they can't even be seen in each other's territories. Bum, bum, bum. Jewel screams, I will have you all banned. (laughs) Sean and Gus head to that martial arts studio and um, Sean wants to be in the class. But the class is for five-year-old to eight-year-olds. Oh my god. Okay, okay. So this whole scene, I, this is my favorite scene of the entire episode because, because Sean cannot introduce Gus as anything other than the truth. He walks in and says, I'm here for class. The guy's like, this class? Sean's like, yeah, I believe it starts in. Guy's like, five minutes. Sean's like, right, yes, this one. Dude's like, this is for five to eight-year-olds. And Sean's like, uh-huh. And that is um, what we call discrimination and ageism. (laughs) Dude's like, um, who are you? And Gus introduces himself. Are we ready? Are we ready? I'm his lawyer. A lawyer? Sean goes, yeah, I keep a retainer on call at all times. There's just so much injustice in in the world. And the dude is like, cool, I guess I'll see you in court. Um, as we plan to try this case in both civil and criminal courts, I'm going to need your statement from you. And uh, to get the police down here, can I use your phone? Or is that only for white people? Um, nobody said white people. 
So, <laughs> so he's like, luckily for that one, I had my hand recorder on. And by the way, I'm now disclosing that this conversation is being recorded. Guy's like, recorded? This is crazy. Gus is like, crazy? You want to know crazy? I sued over 300 businesses last year alone. I sued a hot dog cart and got everything but the wheels and the buns, which I won in the civil case two months later. <laughs> Sean calls for a sidebar at this point, and he's like, I think he gets the point. Gus is like, I can't help it. The words are coming out faster than I can think them. <laughs> Bring it home. Now, if you don't mind, before I start snapping evidence photos, I'm parched. So would you mind telling me which of these fountains I'm allowed to use? That one. I mean, I mean. Oh my god. The doom whistle from Sean. Like, this guy cannot stop stepping in it. So, cut to Sean in the class. <laughs> He's doing the, the eight-year-old um, Haya moves screaming hi-yah while doing it and he looks over and he sees all of these guys with um heavy guns that are looking at him like he's i don't know a 40 year old in an eight-year-old class i think we're supposed to believe he's a 30 year old <laughs> okay. so, but he needs to focus yes the teacher tries to get him to focus a little kid hits him it's it's all good fun sean admits in class that he was never allowed to take karate and the guy's like this is not karate because again, this is Chinese culture and we are learning the way of wushu. Sean gets very, very into it and is feeling very, very empowered by it. Um, he gets crazy eyes and he thinks he rules after one class. And also that the Dragon Triad office is probably upstairs in this building. But that's not really important. Uh, what's really important is he needs $300 for the initiation class. Oh yeah, you signed up for class? These are the bad guys, Sean. <laughs> upstairs! They go back to City Hall and, or, or we go back to City Hall and we see Chief Vic has brought um, Juliet a whole lot of paperwork. Well, she's ostensibly there to check in with Juliet and to remind her that there's no shame in taking the time that she needs, but she needs to recognize when the healing ends and the delaying begins. But everyone, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, because early on in the episode, I think Sean says, like, it's been four or five days and there have been, like, a, a bunch of cases that Henry's not hired them for, but I think they've given Juliet, like, a week tops to get over this trauma. Like, oh, I thought it had been significantly more than that. that but it's never explicitly said. Are we to understand that no. it's been the summer months, like, at the summer break or something? So my my assumption had been because what what Sean said was that he had five chances that Henry had five chances to give them cases. So my assumption had been that it had been five weeks because they work a case a week because they happen to be on a television uh, show. Okay. That makes more sense because I was like, I'm sorry, is everyone under the impression that a week is enough time for someone to get over? Yeah. Okay. I like that so much better. Thank you. <laughs> well, now that uh, now that she is at the um, at the city hall, she has a special assignment to work on, and it is the stoplight safety project, where she needs a deep analysis of all the stoplights and blah 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 blah. And, and Buzz will be down here soon with the rest. Yeah, is two years enough? Because I'm gonna have Buzz bringing the rest down soon. Good luck, O'Hara. <laughs> Busy work. Uh, we cut to the stakeout. The boys are watching. And Sean is like, this is why Henry never let me take karate. He knew I was too good. I was too dangerous. Gus is just sort of like, uh-huh. Hey, is that a, a hoodie guy? 
hoodie flippy guy up on the roof there? We see the the kidnapper um, like parkouring his way onto into the building via a second floor window that happens to be open. And Sean's like, dude, I can do that too. Yeah, he says he's really going to parkour his way up this uh, building like Jackie Chan. And then he succeeds in flipping himself through a window, glass intact, and shattering everything, thus entering the building. <laughs> Followed by, we're in! Oh my god. They, okay, okay. Here's the thing, though. We'll, we'll talk about this later. Sean gets thrown around and falls through a lot of things. He does a lot of stunty, action-y things in this episode that are quite silly, but he's doing them. We'll follow up on that later. It continues to fail on him, and he continues to think that he can still do it. Like, yeah. like he's still like, I still have the power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's still feeling it. So anyway, we creep upstairs, I guess, and we see a guy in the office, and then we find him stealing stuff from a safe, and we see a dragon tattoo on his hand. And then they confront him, and um, he knocks them both out cold. Yeah. So <laughs> Sean's like, hey, man, kidnapper dude, we could do the this the easy way or the knocked out. Gus is like, you must be out of your damn knocked out. <laughs> and then that guy's leaving. The boys kind of try and rouse themselves to follow after him. And then they're surrounded by a room full of bad guys. Uh, well, bad guys. The, the dragon triad has found them in their lair. So uh -huh. these guys are in the right to beat their butts because they have, um, but it's breaking and entering. It's, yeah. Immediately, um, Hoodie Guy covers that tattoo. And then. And he's like, mm. And um, Sean and Gus try to talk their way out of the fight. Uh, yeah, they mentioned that um, they found him in the safe when they got there, which they don't think he even really had to crack, which proves that he's a pro. And then there's um, the fact that I guess he oh, stole and a, he stole a jacket, which is a weird thing to steal because he was already wearing a hoodie and it's not that cold outside. <laughs> so it might be an inside job, they say. So there's a mean guy and just silence. Um, and then... The hoodie kid, the hoodie guy, the kidnapper, um, beats all three of the thugs by himself, and then boss man comes in. Well, I call him mean guy. I, I appreciate that, um, but I kept feeling like um, it was a video game, and so he had to take down the thugs before he could battle, like, Bowser. Oh, That's like, yeah, the boss. boss. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, and like he's, Although we find out later he's not actually boss. Uh, he's not but like it the is boss really boss. cool videography. Yeah, so they, they're doing a really good fight. There's a lot of fighting here. The boys try to find weapons. Gus ends up holding a broom and a mop, or just two brooms. Cleaning supplies. He has <laughs> cleaning supplies in his hand. Uh, and then they decide that they're just going to wait and let the two of them kill each other. Yeah, so Mean Guy gets knocked down by our Flippy Hoodie Guy, and then Flippy Hoodie Guy runs off. The boys chase him. Mean Guy gets up, clearly injured, but is following them. And then... <laughs> They're they're starting to fall behind and they see that uh, Flippy Hoodie Guy has gotten to the other side of a fence and Sean is like, I can scale that in a single bound. And he, <laughs> and he tries. And he runs. And he smacks right into it. He, in the fetal position. Like he jumps into the fetal position and tries to grab the fence, but he falls. It's, you guys need to watch but, this episode for the yeah. physical comedy alone. <laughs> they uh, then realize that the boss is following them and they're like, oh, well, we got to get over this fence. So they climb the fence and then uh, they end up hiding in a stairwell. 
Sean's senses are so on point. He can't believe he didn't turn to Eastern culture earlier. Um, we got through this because we hid like little girls. Yeah, we got lucky. Sean's like, <laughs> so mean guy passes them by. And Sean is like, Gus, don't be the 10 tigers of Canton. We have reached a new level. And then we see hoodie guy come back into frame. And Sean is like, do you see now? (laughs) (laughs) They follow him and they end up at an apartment building. They see him enter an actual apartment. And Sean is like, oh, we got him now. Let's bust in there and like take this all down. Gus is flat out refusing. But Sean sees that silver jacket that Becky had on in that very first scene. And um, Sean does not want to call the police. Yeah, he's that not writing so their coattails. last week. Last week. Writing their coattails is so last week. So Sean busts in on his own. And he makes a noise when he does it. it like, he fully, like, kicks the door. He's like, Wah! Like, I've caught you. <laughs> and for two people hiding out... The people he catches kissing do not react as if they are on guard at all. No. The timing's wrong. Yeah, they're just, they're just like Mackin. And um, even when he kicks the door and they don't like react in a ah sort of way. Right. They're just like, oh, you caught us kissing. Oops. So Sean goes back out and he's like, uh, dude, it's been 10 minutes, but Gus is still refusing to enter or, or anything. Like he wasn't going to go check. Um, and then. Uh, instead he checks his email. <laughs> Sean tells us that we are with Sang Tan of the Dragon Triads and Becky Chang of the Golden Triad. Well, uh, family Golden Triads. And um, they are in love. But someone found out about their relationship, and so Sang has to get her safe. This is where Gus is like, I get it. It's Romeo and Juliet. Everybody drink! Sorry, it's the (laughs) title of the show. Um. (laughs) But it is is a little bit more complicated because Becky's preggers. She's 19. We covered this in an earlier scene. This girl is 19 and she is being groomed to be an ambassador of some kind. Like, I'm sorry. It's stressing me out. Anyway. Yeah. Gus thinks they definitely need to tell the people that this is no kidnapping, but we're all like, hey, it's more complicated than that. But it's even more complicated because Sang Tan is also the next in line to take up, like, to take up the helm from his father leading the dragon triads and his father would never stand for this. Um, so his plan was to get some cash and that they were going to run, but they can't do it now. They need help. Yeah. Becky wants their help. Sean and Gus disagree on whether or not to help. We get an instant. Absolutely. No. <laughs> <laughs> they go down to Chief Vic and they basically tell Chief Vic that she needs to stop investigating the kidnapping. Yeah. She's like, I'm sorry. What else would you like us to do? Cross our fingers and hope? Gus really wants to spill and... Sean just like, don't, 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 don't do that, Gus. Sean is like, it may have been blurry a second ago, but now it is crystal, crystal clear. This was not a kidnapping. Henry comes in with a picture of Becky tied up and said, oh, well then what is this? They keep referring to this as a ransom photo. However, something we will find out very soon is that it was only the photo sent to them. There was no demand. There was no note. There, it's just the photo. So we'll leave that there for now. That ends, the scene ends with Sean going, wait, I'm getting something else. 
And that something else is the apartment where he takes the entire team, where Becky and Sangtan just were. Um, we get a little pop culture here because um, Gus says the guy... Sean said, Sean said, um, I'm sure they were here. And Lassiter said, well, how sure are you? As sure as R2-D2 is not Gus's friend online? As sure as I am that the guy who just friended Gus online is not the guy who played R2-D2. His name is Kenny Becker, Sean. Why would Kenny Becker want to be friends with you? Why would Elvira want to be friends with you? Her name is Cassandra Peterson, by the way, says Sean. Chief Vic confers, confirms that they found her DNA or something. She was in oh, fact Oh, her bracelets, there. some of her effects. Yeah, they confirm that she was present. And uh, Lassiter finds blood. Henry's like, in an aside, so you were here and I didn't want you involved. Blah, 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 blah. You had to go and play psychic. Now a girl might be dead. Sean is like... Oh, okay, so this is all my fault. But do you know who's the leader of the Golden Triads? And Henry knows yeah, it's Mr. Course. Chang. <laughs> Why did you think I didn't want you involved? And Sean is like, but it's Romeo and Juliet. It is West Side Story. It is the Jets and the Dolphins. I don't know which side's the Jets and which side's the Dolphins. Um, it's the Jets and the Sharks. Because <laughs> the Jets and the Dolphins are football teams, Sean. Henry is like, or Sean's all like, but I saw them kissing. And... Henry said, was she under duress? Yeah, like, are you sure of what you saw? Maybe they were lying to you. Maybe someone's getting something over on you. You got played. Face it. They go back to City Hall, and Gus is like, I think maybe they were lying to you. Maybe they just did it for the money. Yeah. Um, And they're playing him because he's either a romantic or stupid. Sean tells Jules that it's Romeo and Juliet. It's DiCaprio and Danes. But um, Juliet already knows about the ransom note. And John goes, aha, you are following the case. Only enough to know that you're wrong. Sean psychs out. Wait a second. There wasn't a ransom note. It was just the picture. And Gus is like, yeah, but why would they send that? It would only incite panic and they wouldn't get paid. So what happens is Sean is like, wait, 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 wait. The Tan family are Romeo and, and, and the son is, is the one involved with Becky, our Juliet. And then Juliet's like, which son? Because there are two. There's Sang, who is our Romeo, and there's Tenno, the mean guy from earlier! He is the enforcer. Um, and Sang is in line to, to become the next leader of the, the triad, the dragon triads, but um, they would consider taking Tenno on as a leader if there was a war going on between yeah, the two tribes. Yeah, because he's a hothead. Tribes, he's gangs? Been, yeah, gangs. So Thanks, thank you. Tenno has been pushing buttons and um, causing trouble. He's a hothead. He he kind of foments violence. He he wants the chaos. And Juliet confirms that he would only make sense as a leader if it was in war. So Sean knows exactly what's happening here. And Tenno's trying to incite the war as a power play. Sean and Gus are back in Chinatown. And Sean's like... I just realized what you do when two brothers are fighting. What's that? You tell their dad. So they're in a room with this guy who was happy to take a meeting with them when he explained that he had, like, groundbreaking information on his two sons. Um, so he's explaining to this man who is remaining completely silent. My notes say there's a lot of semi-racist things going on. Sean is pretty much digging himself into a hate hole. But at one point he says... Your son wants to start a war between the triads. Tenno, the mean one. I don't know how you identify between them, but for me, he's definitely the meanest. 
<laughs> Gus is like, um, dude, he's not responding. He might not understand you. Are you we sure he speaks English? I already have plan B set into motion. Until then, we're just going to have to use the international form of communication. Not charades. Ugh. And then Sean does really bad charades, but he continues to explain that uh, Romeo and Juliet situation and the Prager situation and the Tenno situation. He also references Yao Ming, Ping Paul, General Chow's chicken, Chinese checkers, Chinese fire drills, David Bowie's China Girl, the naked version, and Wushu. I do want to say that he starts the, the charades by saying one word and starts snapping and then goes, West Side Story. <laughs> That's... In no word, world is there one word that he's trying to make anyone guess. I don't know. <laughs> so that's still not working. But that's okay, because Sean can hear plan B right outside. It's Ken getting carried in by some gang members. Yeah, fully manhandled. <laughs> Ken, Sean, and Sean thinks that Ken is there to translate for them. As soon as Ken sees Sean, he yells, Go suck yourselves! <laughs> <laughs> Which is all they could get away with on cable television. But I feel you, Ken. I feel you. He goes, Dude, I speak nine words of Chinese, and six of those are numbers. And then this crime daddy is like, Enough! Dad tells them that he heard everything that they said, and that he cannot do anything about it, because... He has to keep the peace. If he was mixed up in anything to do with the kidnapped girl, the bloodshed would never stop. He can't be involved. Sean goes, but we can. And, and he points at himself, at Ken, and at Gus. And Ken just starts stepping backwards. <laughs> ultimately to run away. Yeah. And Sean tells Crime Daddy, like, we can stop this. We can stop your son from causing this war, but you have to give up his location. Like, you need to do that. They are in the Blueberry, and Sean is finally calling the police. He's calling for backup, but he's calling Juliet, who call, who tells him he needs to call Lassiter, and Sean just says, nope. There's a, um, a nice moment, though, where Sean goes, listen, Juliet, Yin came after me, too. I need you, or I go down alone. Well, with Gus. <laughs> or with Gus. You, you know what I mean. <laughs> like he's he's trying to tell her like i i was there i remember i was part of it like i i still need you to be part of this team and it's a it's a good moment yeah so sean the and gus music is very dramatic and they're back at the dojo yeah sean and gus find becky and sang tied up at the dojo and becky is awake and she's like Quick, he's just outside. Sang is fully knocked out, and Gus is, like, struggling to wake him up, and he's not stopping trying to wake him up. So this this is my favorite scene of, of the entire, um, well, the next scene is my favorite scene of the entire uh, show because of all the things that are about to happen, but I, I will go on. Sean does, Sean's like, dude, it doesn't matter if you can get him to wake up. I've got us covered. And I mean, Sean is shows... trying to start untying Becky at this point, but he mm -hmm. stops to show Gus this pamphlet, which makes me <laughs> incensed. It's time for the fight because Boss Man is there. And Sean's, in Sean fashion, both thinks he can fight, but also talks his way out of it a little bit. And yeah. he goes, I figured it all out. Betrayal you were so jealous. And, and jealousy. Yes. Um, he's like, jealousy, betrayal. 
you saw a war as an opportunity for you to take the reins and you blame your brother and you'll get your war and Tenno takes a fight stance after listening to more of this than I expected him to. <laughs> Sean does the um, karate kid move. The crow pose. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, if I execute this correctly, no man can defend it. And the very next shot is Sean getting thrown through another window. This is another big reference because the song that plays over this fight sequence is the Weezer song. Uh, crap, I, I can't think of the title right now. But there's a, a lot of fighting sequences very much like this in that in that music video. It's so perfect. <laughs> the, the clout that Psych had. <laughs> My favorite part about this is... Um, that Sean is still, Sean continues to think that he can fight back. Gus continues to try to wake up saying, um, but also is Sean's hype man the entire time. And so he's like, he's just screaming things at Sean, trying to encourage him. Um, and Sean is basically playing bad defense the entire time because he, he finally realizes he can't do it. So, okay. There's a lot going on here. Um, the fact that Gus is still trying to wake Sang really frustrates me because Becky's right there and she's awake and no one's calling the actual police and things are popping off. So Sean <laughs> is fighting and then he grabs a stick of some kind and he's like, did your teachers ever teach you to fight with a stick? And Ted is like, uh-huh, he grabs something to fight with. And then Sean ends up dodging the stick and it's very matrixy. And the whole time mm -hmm. Gus is going, woo, shoe finger, crouching tiger, fist of fury. <laughs> They're they're just fighting, and then finally, um, uh, boss man, brother man, Tano goes down because Becky kicks him, and but he instantly takes Becky down because Sean was already down, and then Sean jumps up and he grabs a fake sword, and then Tano puts his hand up in surrender. Sean's like, "Oh, cool, really." The next thing we see is the camera zoom out, and it's Juliet behind Sean with a gun. <laughs> oh. Great timing. He he just surrendered, Juliet, right before you got here. <laughs> the entire team is there now, including Henry. And Sean goes up to Henry and said, this never would have happened if you would have let me take karate lessons as a kid. But you knew I had too much potential. And Sean is like, no, no, no. You had zero control of your body. I had too much control of my body. So, okay, here's where I want to say I took karate and different forms of martial arts as a kid multiple times and my brother was a kid who was crazy super hyperactive um just like a wild wild and crazy man being in karate and the level of respect that your teacher demands and the control that you learn is probably exactly what a crazy kid like Sean could have benefited from. Because my brother definitely yeah. did. Like, it instill, instills not only discipline, but respect. And, like, in a very healthy, like, way. So, sh Henry's wrong. And he <laughs> should have let Sean. <laughs> like, I think it would have been good for both of them and their relationship. <laughs> Sean is like, listen, you're still doing it, Dad. I can handle the rough stuff. And he's like, Fine, put me on more cases. Don't put me in a position to lie for you. And you have to call me at, before faking a vision or ever putting that hand to your head. You call me first. First, huh? First-ish. And then he just walks past Henry to Juliet, who's been motioning to him. And it's very, very sweet. It's very sweet. 
This was just the kick in the pants that she needed. She thanks Sean because he was unrelenting and didn't give up. But Sean said, I would never kick you in the pants. And I would also never give up. Should they hug? I think they can. And, but they're interrupted by Lassiter arriving. <laughs> Chief said you were working on a special project. Uh, you can work on this too. These are your taxes. Look, it's already helping. <laughs> yeah, he's like claiming that her being out of that office is like his doing, you know, and the special project and the busy work. And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm not doing your taxes and just drops them. Sean and Gus are kind of walking down steps and Sean said, I feel like my spine is liquid. <laughs> he also says, Panda Express? Had that last night. Uh, pickup sticks. Had that this morning. P.F. Chang's? You know that's right. <laughs> so that's our end. And then we get more Weezer and all the outtakes and bloopers. It's an homage to Jackie Chan because ever since he first came on the scene, when he was very, very young doing action movies, he always plays his fails after a movie because he's doing crazy stuff and sometimes it doesn't actually work out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Sean... It, it's hard to describe. Um, it's some of, some of like Sean's worst moments like when he goes through the windows and um like when he runs and he leaps into the fence um it's just it's rode you you have to watch it it's so clearly rode doing his action oh i totally disagree with you i don't i was staring at his profile and i was like no no that's our guy's nose no that is not james rode it is okay well listeners I think you need to watch this episode. <laughs> um, you know, all of the listeners that we have out there, watch this episode. Check out those du- those um, bloopers, bloopers and let us know if you think that those are stunt double. If you think that was a stunt double, or if you think that was James Rodney Rodriguez, um, because I'm still not sold. Although Kaylee is right, I did not see any notes of them being a stunt double. So I'm I'm intrigued to see think... how our many many listeners feel about. <laughs> I think when we have episodes where, like, people are jumping, like, off of actual buildings and not just, like, flying through fake windows, like, toppling over things, um, I think there's a difference between doing your own action and doing your own stunts, as Keanu Reeves Mm. would say. And I think when Mm -hmm. you're jumping off a boat or something like that, it's a little bit different than, like, a more controlled, like, fall through fake wood wall or something. Yeah. But I, I mean, I stared at a lot of those and I was like, I I think that's him. I love it. I love it. Well, this is an awesome, um, this is an awesome season starter. It's, it's like funny. It's action packed. It's just, um, it's got a good storyline. It has very sweet, tender moments. It it has a lot of character growth. I'm uh, overall enjoy this episode. Always do. Yeah, I think everybody rallying around Juliet, wanting her to be okay, but also missing her and not wanting her to settle into avoidance. It just, it's very familial. I love it so much. Uh, what Do we have anything else we need to talk about this episode, Kate? No, I love, I love that Buzz came up multiple times. Um, we got Henry, we got Chief. It was a great season opener. I'm very happy yeah. with this one. I, like, would have enjoyed somebody, but... All you things considered, I understand why we didn't have a Woody. <laughs> yeah, oh, he. Oh my gosh, I just said why we didn't have a Woody. <laughs> we didn't have a dead body. That's good news. That's what I was about. That's what I was. That's where I was going with it. But it didn't happen. So, um, I'm Alexis. 
I was waiting to hear if there was any screaming. Then, depending on how bad it sounded, I would go forward from there. And if there was any pleading, that would also be a variable. And I'm Kaylee. You're part Chinese, Sean. You must understand. And this has been... To the Blueberry! Psych out. <laughs>